Today from the Global Lane, one year after the U.S.-Afghanistan exit, secret Christians who stayed behind to live under Taliban rule. They chose to stay to be a blessing, to be a witness. They are like sheep among wolves, uh, daily being harassed and daily being followed and daily being watched. Political bias at the Bureau. Can the FBI regain its once trustworthy reputation? The FBI needs a, a thorough colonoscopy. A blue ribbon panel needs to dissect them and get rid of the cancer. Back to class, education or woke indoctrination in U.S. public schools. It is very widespread and it is absolutely indoctrination. And beware of the zombie ice. We are in an emergency and it is a worldwide emergency. And it's all right here on the Global Lane. One year has now passed since the U.S. exit from Afghanistan. So how are Christians there faring under Taliban rule? Here with more is humanitarian aid worker John Weaver. Mr. Weaver is author of the book, Inside Afghanistan, a mission of mercy to a war-torn people before 9-11 and beyond. He's helped Afghans for many years in Afghanistan and now here in the United States. So, John, it's good to talk with you again. Many of our viewers may think that most Christians fled Afghanistan uh, when the U.S. troops withdrew in August 2021, but some remain. So why did they stay? Gary, thanks for having me. Yes, many did flee. God made a way for many of them to, to leave the country, but many chose to stay to be the ambassadors of Christ there, to be witnesses, to be salt and light. As also, you know, it's their homeland. And they have the proverb, you know, homeland is like the place of gold. And so many wanted to stay because that's their homeland, but they chose to stay to be a blessing, to be a witness, to be a light in that dark place. Well, tell me, so how are they faring, John? Are they, are they being persecuted there? Gary, in some ways, it's worse as it's been. As you mentioned, I was there before 9-11, was there during the times of 9-11 and you know, beyond. And, and now with the Taliban in full control of the country, in some ways, it's as worse as it has ever been economically, uh, socially, and in terms of religious persecution. Yes, they are like sheep among wolves. Uh, daily being harassed and daily being followed and daily being watched. And it's very challenging for believers in Afghanistan. Have any been any of them been killed, John? As far as we know, yes, some have been martyred for their faith. They've entered that great cloud of witness. Uh, some, as we speak, possibly could be behind bars. Uh, some are in hiding. Uh, yes, there has been intense persecution and opposition from uh, the radical Muslims since uh, the events of August last year. And it's not just threats from the Taliban. I know from my own time there meeting with believers there, perhaps the greatest danger may come from family, neighbors, friends. Tell us about that. Yes, yeah, so the social pressure can begin right in your own home or in your oikos, your circle of influence, because it's a Muslim context. You know, it's against Sharia law or against the laws of Islam uh, to leave the Muslim religion and embrace another, you know, faith or a worldview. So when People encounter Christ, and Christ is pursuing them. The Lord's pursuing them. And as they come out of Islam into the, the kingdom of light, there is persecution, opposition from their own family, from their own neighbors, from their own community, because it's a Muslim country. In a general sense, most everyone identifies with Islam there in Afghanistan. So, John, what can we do for them, those in Afghanistan, our brothers and sisters in Christ? 
Well, regardless of mistakes that we might have made in the past, we need to advocate, you know, be advocates for their situation because some are still trying to leave. Some are stuck in places in neighboring countries, you know, trying to find, you know, quote unquote, safe places to live. Uh, we need to pray for them. They're always asking us to pray for them, uh, especially those that have, you know, seen God's provision and his protection. They've also seen tangible answers to prayer, miracles and provisions from the Lord and answers to prayer. So we want to mobilize the body of Christ to be praying for our brothers and sisters uh, in Afghanistan. And then there are ways, Gary, that we are getting humanitarian assistance uh, into uh, the country, and we want to continue doing that as well. And John, at least 76,000 Afghan refugees have found refuge, asylum here in the U.S. What are their biggest challenges? Yeah, so for some of them, as you know, Gary, they're still stuck. Now, thankfully, many, I've been to many places in the States where they've been, you know, relocated to different cities. They've gone through the whole process, you know, leaving the country and then going into military bases. And, and now they're in, assimilated into neighborhoods and communities and cities. The challenge for them is it's a, it's, it's a transition. Many have to learn English. Uh, many have to find a job. They have to find housing. And just emotionally, they're stretched. They're, they're grieving. They're missing their... Uh, their homeland. Uh, so those that, of the listeners that might be aware of care, you know, Catholic charities or World Relief or Lutheran services, we can get involved locally through refugee resettlement agencies, helping Afghans that are, that are here. And as you know, many of them are believers, so we're maintaining contact with them to encourage them in their faith, help them to get involved in a local church. Some of them have started Afghan house churches, and we're trying to help them reach back into their home country with practical and spiritual assistance. Bipartisan legislation in Congress, the Afghan Adjustment Act, will give many of the Afghan migrants permanent residency and a pathway to citizenship. So your thoughts on that, John? Well, we're grateful for that. We're grateful for what our country has tried to do to help Afghans you know, for many years now, but especially in this transition of them uh, coming here to the United States. We do hope that many of them would find that path to citizenship you know, Garrett, I've talked to many of them. They want to go back to their home country one day. And finally, what is our responsibility and opportunity, I might add, as Christians to the Afghans settling into our communities? Most of them are Muslim. Yeah, let's reach out to them. Let's be the love of Christ to them. Let's find ways to serve them. Let's get to know them, practice hospitality, you know, invite them into our, you know, into our homes and I know, Gary, you've mentioned some of the books that I've written would encourage listeners to, to get books about Afghanistan and learn about the culture and learn ways that you can you and engage and you can reach out to us. We're, we're trying to connect as many people as we can here in the United States and different cities uh, to love Afghans, to welcome them, to receive them, and to show them the love of Christ in word and deed as they resettle in life here in America. Okay, John Weaver, humanitarian aid worker, author of the book, Inside Afghanistan, a mission of mercy to a war-torn people before 9-11 and beyond. John, we appreciate your insights. God bless you. Bless you, Gary. Thank you so much. One week ago, government officials escorted FBI Special Agent Timothy Tebalt out of the bureau. Tebalt is accused of political bias in his handling of the Hunter Biden laptop probe. The 25-year FBI veteran allegedly acted to kill off an investigation of then-presidential candidate Joe Biden and his son just weeks prior to the November 2020 election. 
The Tebalt resignation comes amidst growing concerns about political bias at the Bureau and the unprecedented search of a former president's home. Can the FBI restore its reputation for even-handedness, equal justice under the law? Well, here to weigh in is retired U.S. Special Agent Eric Karen. Mr. Karen is author of the book Switched On, the heart and mind of a special agent. Eric, it's good to talk with you again, and you have to weigh in on all of this for us. First, what do you make of the exit of Special Agent Timothy Tebalt and also FBI whistleblower allegations of political yep. bias at the FBI? Well, Gary, thanks for having me again. You know, um, I, I think there's a long list of names that should be walked out of FBI headquarters uh, today um, because... Um, he, you know, he couldn't have done what he he did in a vacuum. Other people had to approve um, his actions. So there's a long list of names uh, of FBI officials that should be walked out of that headquarters. And you know, I'm calling, if not for the abolishment of the FBI, because other agencies, quite frankly, can do what they do. There's Secret Service and the U.S. Marshal Service, Homeland Security, ATF, and DEA. You know, if we don't do that, then, you know, there needs to be a cleansing of the FBI for the American people to, to regain trust. And right now, the trust is not there. So the FBI needs a, a thorough colonoscopy, quite frankly. A blue ribbon panel needs to study them and, and dissect them and get rid of the cancer. Uh, because the Federal Bureau of Injustice, that's what I'm calling it today, it, 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 it can't stand here in America. We need. The American people need to have trust in their law enforcement officials, both at the local level and as and at the federal level. This type of action we've seen over the last, I'll say over the last probably four or five years, is actions we see in third world countries, not in America. Not in America, Gary. We need to we need to cleanse the Department of Justice. We need to cleanse the FBI, and we need to cleanse Homeland Security, or I call it Homeland insecurity. Well, when did this political bias begin creeping into the FBI? And is it from the top down? I mean, Chris Ray, does he accept some responsibility for this? Is it just coming from a few low-level and mid-level agents in the field or from the top? Yeah, you know, Gary, great question. In my experience, 25 years as a special agent, and I, and I was very fortunate. I worked domestically as well as internationally. I served in Washington, D.C. for five years. I served in congressional affairs. Um, and it's, it's at the very top, you know, because they set the tempo, they, uh, set the policies and procedures. It's stemming from the white house and main DOJ. And so the worker bees, of course, see under the, say, under an Obama administration, you cannot refer to illegal aliens as illegal aliens. Now you have to use the word undocumented under Obama. And if you do use the word illegal alien, you'll be um, potentially uh, punished. And so the work of bees down below are following the orders and directions, if you will, from the White House and main justice. And so that's why I'm calling for a main, if you will, cleansing at the highest levels. The American people need that right now. I mean, this is unprecedented, like you said, Gary, never before. And this is all politics. Donald Trump, the former president, like all presidents, have documents with them that are classified or sensitive documents. He's the president. So we need to understand that this is nothing but politics. 
And the American people, I think, in November are going to speak loud and clear. Well, that Mar-a-Lago raid was definitely unprecedented. That's never happened to a previous president before. And even had documents were attorney-client privileged uh, that are now That's in the right. hands of the FBI, private information of his that they probably didn't have rights to. So, Eric, you're plugged in. You're switched on. So what is Attorney General Garland and the DOJ really after, and how do you think all this is going to be played out? Well, let me just say, this, this is going to be played out like the Russian hoax investigation. As long as they can, they will hit the drum that Donald Trump violated a law, when in fact he didn't. This should have been handled administratively, um, and, and, and only really in espionage cases do you see a potential charge of mishandling classified documents. Um, so the Department of Justice and the White House will let this run as long as they can in the hopes that it sways the American people. Well, but I think the American people will probably run smart. right up through uh, the end of November uh, after the election. <laughs> We're out of time, Eric. I'm sorry to cut you off, but uh, retired U.S. Special Agent Eric Karen, author and host of the Switched On Life podcast. Thanks for sharing those insights. We appreciate talking to you. Hey, Gary, stay switched on and thank you. God bless. Back to class. Americans are keeping a close eye on public school curricula as students start settling in for a new school year. Our next guest believes it's important for parents to be aware of and involved in their child's education. Sherry Few is executive producer of the film Truth and Lies in American Education. She's also founder of United States Parents Involved in Education. Sherry, thanks for being with us. So fill us in, despite all the public exposure and the media attention given to critical race theory and sexualized literature, much of it is still being taught in our public schools. So is it education or indoctrination? And just how widespread is it? Well, it is very widespread, and it is absolutely indoctrination. We are no longer educating children in America. We are teaching them to hate their country. We are um, giving them anti-American and anti-Christian propaganda. And we're teaching the critical theories, and not just critical race theory, but there are several Marxist critical theories. There's critical gender theory, critical queer theory, critical feminist theory, and they're all incorporated in something they're calling culturally relevant pedagogy. And that's a situation where children are taught that a certain category of people are oppressors, and then there are oppressed. So on the oppressor side, and believe me, this is truly Marxist in its roots. And we know that Marxism is against any kind of faith and against God. And so, you know, they want to destroy the family and they're using these Marxist tools to do it. On the um, oppressor side, it's white, male, heterosexual, and even Christians are being called oppressors. And then the other side, the oppressed are every other race and ethnicity, females, LGBTQ, and what they're calling minority religions. And it is widespread in every school in America's classrooms. Okay, this book, uh, Gender Queer, it was removed from school libraries here in Virginia Beach and other cities, and critics of that action say it's reminiscent of book bannings, burnings uh, by Nazis in Germany, or like those depicted in Ray Bradbury's Fahrenheit 451, and they wonder whatever happened to free speech. What do you say? Well, I just say that's ridiculous because we're talking about pornography. 
And the images portrayed in this book are absolutely obscene and do not have any business in the hands of children. We have obscenity laws in this country, and that book violates obscenity laws. And this idea that the left can now argue uh, freedom of speech and book banning and all of that is really ludicrous because, you know, they're flipping the issue on its head because they're the ones that are actually trying to, you know, limit what can be taught in the classroom. They're teaching a totally leftist uh, aligned curricula and in every, every subject, the culturally relevant pedagogy, the social emotional learning, all of these tools that they're, they're using to indoctrinate children are embedded in every grade in every classroom. And teachers are, are not allowed to stray from the curriculum. So it's really the, the um, dichotomy that, that, you know, we're the ones saying you shouldn't do things. But the things we're saying shouldn't be happening in government schools are actually illegal. You know, it, it violates the Civil Rights Act to be telling one race of children that they're inferior or oppressive to another race. So there are laws that are being violated by what's being taught in our schools and it may take legal action to stop it. But in the meantime, we're trying to educate parents through our new film that was just released, Truth and Lies in American Education. And it can be found at truthandliesfilm.us. We have an all-star uh, all cast of experts that talk on all of these subjects in detail. And it is alarming. Every parent, every freedom-loving American should watch this film, become educated, and get motivated to make a difference. Because even if you don't have children in government schools, you know, we used to think, well, it's not affecting my children. My kids have already, are already grown. You know, everyone needs to be concerned and, and be active on this issue. It is the most important, the most um, troubling domestic policy issue in our country. Should parents respond by considering either homeschooling, private education, or school vouchers an alternative? What are your thoughts? Oh, absolutely. I, I don't recommend any parent leave their children in government schools today. It is, uh, it is evil. It is pure evil. It is a battle, a spiritual battle, good versus evil. If you love your child, you'll get them out and you'll find an alternative. The best alternative is homeschooling, we believe, because even some of the private schools have been infected. You know, as far as uh, voucher programs, um, we're not really thrilled about those programs because it's still government money. And anytime you have government money involved, you're going to have the government regulations. So we believe that um, we still need to fight for the kids that are in those schools, even if we remove our children. And that's why we're encouraging folks around the country to go to our website at USPIE, that's USPI.org. They can sign up there to stay involved and join the movement to stop the indoctrination of children. And they can also see if there's a chapter in their state where they can get involved on the local level. And one last thing that we encourage parents to do and freedom-loving citizens is to run for school board because we must restore local control of education. And if we can get good, like-minded people on school boards, we can make a difference. Okay, a growing movement. Get involved, get involved. Sherry Few, producer of the film Truth and Lies in American Education. Thanks for joining us today. We appreciate it. All right, thank you for having me on. Just when you thought monkeypox was the greatest threat to the future of human existence, now scientists tell us the world's oceans may rise by more than 10 and a half inches because of global warming and melting zombie ice in Greenland.
Yes, not a zombie apocalypse, but a massive ice melt that may raise sea levels more than twice as high as originally predicted. A new study appearing in the journal Nature Climate Change found that Greenland's ice sheets aren't replenishing the way they should. That's caused an imbalance that could have a, quote, detrimental effect on coastlines around the world, creating, quote, huge societal, economic, and environmental impacts. The scientists involved in the new study wouldn't predict how long it may take for that Greenland ice to melt, only that it could happen at least by 2150. Wonderful. I guess we'll have more time to build an ark for our great-great-grandchildren. But Green New Deal advocate Senator Elizabeth Warren believes that we cannot wait. Urgent action is needed now to save the world. We are in an emergency, and it is a worldwide emergency. Folks, God didn't promise that we would be spared from natural disasters and suffering, but political scare tactics and scientific predictions often ignore his promises. Remember from the Bible, after the Great Flood, which... By the way, most cultures include in their history, and many scientists agree did happen, God promised Noah that he would never flood the earth again. Long before rainbows were seized by the LGBTQ movement, they were a godly reminder of that promise. So what does the creator of the world expect from us? God wants us to take care of his creation, not destroy it. Yes, we must be better stewards of the air, water, and land. We need to keep our earthly home clean, so future generations can experience a healthy and prosperous life. The Bible tells us that the world will not end from climate change, but as a result of global war and godly judgment. And the good news, it's in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verse 1 and 21, verse 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. So let's trust the words and our future to the one who created the world, not to those who spread fear and manipulate public opinion for their own financial gain. Well, that's it today from the Global Lane. Be sure to follow us on the CBN News and NRB channel, social media, and our broadcast affiliates. And until next time, be blessed.